So in this series, we're going to talk about Bible characters who have hit absolute rock bottom in their lives. And we're also going to see how in the midst of their trials, they return to God for renewed strength and a new sense of purpose. You know, right now in my life, I'm struggling with a friend. They are leveraging their gifts carelessly. And if I was sitting here with my friend today, I'd say, why? You know, you've been given so much. Look at the family you've been given. Look at the opportunities you've been given. You've had a good life, but they're taking those gifts, they're taking those opportunities, and they're just carelessly and thoughtlessly leveraging them, squandering them. And it makes me sad. It makes me upset. But God's teaching me in this situation. Because what's tempting to do when you see somebody who's taken so much and they're just throwing it away is you want to write them off. You want to just kind of turn away and say, you've chosen that path. That's your path. Good luck. But God's challenging me on this. And the reason why is, you know, most often, often his most choice vessels are broken vessels. And they've been repaired by him. He's challenging my hard-heartedness. He wants to stir me towards compassion. Because he still has plans for this person. This person that I care about. This person that I love. He still has plans. But their consequences, they're going to be unavoidable. You know, there are times when you and I take our gifts for granted and we're tempted to leverage them thoughtlessly. We almost absentmindedly use them or trade them in for something that we want now, right? Not a month goes by that we don't see an artist, an athlete, or a politician who is squandering their God-given ability or opportunities because their appetites or their emotions just got the better of them. They had a moment of weakness. And we think that we're immune because we're not famous, Right? There's no danger of when I screw up, I'm going to get on the news, right? Very little possibility there. But each one of us has gifts. Each one of us has opportunities that could be squandered if we allow our common enemy, pride, to get the better of us. And pride just simply is, I think more of myself. I think I'm really important. I'm more important than you. So we want to fight against our enemy, Pride. Today we're going to talk about a man who was incredibly gifted. There was no doubt, but rather than leverage those gifts for the benefit of others, he often used them casually. He often used them thoughtlessly according to his own whims. And though his consequences weren't immediate, they were certainly inevitable. Now from birth, Samson was set apart by God. Judges 13.5 says, You will become pregnant and have a son whose head is never to be touched by a razor. Because the boy is to be a Nazarite, dedicated to God from the womb. He will take the lead in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. So clearly God has something special in mind for Samson. He's set apart from birth. Chapter 14, verses 3 through 7, we all see that God had a specific plan in mind for Samson. And God's hand was upon him. Beginning in verse 3. His mother and father replied, isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives? Or among your people. So he, he finds this gal. He chats her up. He likes her. But she's a Philistine. She's one of their sworn enemies. One of the people that's oppressing Israel. They say, can't you find another girl? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, get her for me. She's the one for me. 
His parents did not know that this was from the Lord, who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines. For at that time they were ruling over Israel. So this was God-ordained that he would have a particular liking of this one girl. There's a reason. Samson went down to Timnah together with his father and mother as they approached the vineyards of Timnah. Suddenly a young lion came roaring toward him. And here we're going to see our first evidence that Samson was indeed specially gifted by God. The spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him so that he tore the lion apart with his bare hands as he might have torn a young goat. But he told neither his father nor his mother what he had done. Then he went down and talked with the woman and he liked her. So he didn't even tell them what was going on. But we can see right away Samson is unique. He's following special rules. He's going to be a top draft pick. I've been paying attention to the NFL draft this week. And just in the last several years there's been a number of top draft picks. And they squander their chances. Like almost immediately. Drugs, alcohol, women, financial mismanagement, partying. And they squander their opportunities. So Samson is a top draft pick. He is uniquely gifted. But in his pride he does four things. In his pride, his elevated opinion of himself, he does four things that set himself up for inevitable decline. Number one, he disregards God's instructions. Judges 14, 8 and 9. Says sometime later when he went back to marry her, this is the gal he's interested in, he turned aside to look at the lion's carcass, and in it he saw a swarm of bees and some honey. He scooped out the honey with his hands and ate as he went along. When he rejoined his parents, he gave them some, and they too ate it, but he did not tell them that he had taken honey from the lion. So why is this a problem? Does anybody know what kind of rules Samson was under? It's called a Nazarite vow. Okay? So he couldn't cut his hair. He couldn't eat anything made from grapes, and he couldn't touch anything unclean. And so by getting honey out of the lion, he is breaking one of those explicit rules, treating it as if it's not important. And you know, when you and I, we get puffed up in a situation, everybody's big somewhere, right? You know, maybe in this church you're not big, but there's somewhere where you're big. Maybe it's your house, maybe it's your workplace, maybe it's your school, maybe it's your family. I mean, you're the big cheese, you're the big shot. And there's going to come a time when you're in a situation where the rules don't have to apply to you, right? And that's what Samson's doing. He's saying, I'm big, I'm bad, I'm the man. And these rules, it's for losers, right? I don't have to obey the rules. These rules don't apply to me because I'm special. So when we're puffed up, we feel free to choose which rules apply us, but a wise leader accepts limits in order to lead the way. Because Samson's already been elevated. He's clearly the chosen one to lead Israel, to save Israel. This was the time of the judges. I mean, it was the wild, wild west. Things were a mess. Things were crazy. They were out of hand. It was chaotic. And so God would raise up these deliverers called judges, some mostly men and some women, to save Israel. So Samson knows he's special, but he's getting puffed up. With pride. So he says the rules don't apply to me. And he's missing the power of symbolic leadership. When you see a leader who doesn't have to, think of a king, a president, they don't have to obey the rules, but they choose to. Sets an example that leads the way. But Samson disregards God's instructions. Number two, in his pride, he is vulnerable to the opposite sex. 
<coughs> Judges 16, 4 and 5. Sometime later, he fell in love with a woman in the valley of Sorek, and this was not the one he fell in love with first. There's another backstory there. But throughout this story, he shows vulnerability to women. The rumors of the Philistines said to Delilah, See if you can lure him into showing you the secret of his great strength and how we can overpower him so we may tie him up and subdue him. Each one of us will give you 1,100 shekels of silver. So this is now in this story the third time that Samson has shown vulnerability to women. The first one, it was a marriage that went sour. The second time, he goes and visits a prostitute in the land of Philistia. And they come around with him tonight and say, we've got him. He's, he's put himself in our trap and he escapes. But this third time, third time that he's vulnerable to the opposite sex, he's not going to escape so easily. You know, when we're puffed up with pride, then we're prone to vanity. And you don't have to be good looking to be guilty of preening. You know, I once had a friend who struggled with one particular flaw in his physical appearance. It really bothered him. I heard him talk about it on multiple occasions. So shortly after he chose cosmetic surgery to correct the issue, his family was devastated to learn that he had an ongoing indiscretion. And I've never forgotten that. I've taken that to heart. Because it's tempting sometimes to focus on one flaw that we have and try to correct it, to obsess about it, particularly our appearance. But it can be a symptom of vanity. And vanity comes from pride. It can be a pathway to ruin. So I took it personally as a warning you know, I don't have as much to worry about, but I don't want to obsess over my appearance because it can be a pathway to ruin. So Samson is puffed up with pride. He is regard, disregarding God's instructions. He is vulnerable to the opposite sex. And here's a third no-no we see. He is angry, and he is impetuous. Judges 15.11 says, Then 3,000 men from Judah went down to the cave in the rock of Edom and said, Samson... Don't you realize that the Philistines are rulers over us? What have you done to us? He answered, like a teenager, I merely did to them what they did to me. Huh? And this, this had arisen out of his initial relationship with that woman. It had gone sour. You know, he had been upset with her and left. And then he kind of walks back into her life and says, hey, where's my wife? And they say, well, we've, we've kind of given her away to somebody else. And so then he's mad, right? He goes out and he burns their crops. And then when they retaliate, he kills some of them. And so his own people, you know, the Philistines come up and they say, we want, we want Samson. So they go to his own people, the people of Judah. And they say, hold on a second, we'll take care of it. So they go, 3,000 of them, of Judah, they go to capture Samson and hand him over to the Philistines. So he's really messed himself up. He's not only offended the Philistines, he's offended his own people to the point they're willing to hand him over. Because he's so angry and impetuous. Samson was always looking for a fight. But if you notice something in the story, each time he was angry, there was a common denominator. He was the one who had been personally offended. As a leader, it would have been appropriate for him to be angry that Israel had abandoned the Lord. It would have been appropriate to be angry that the godless Philistines were oppressing his people. But what really burned his biscuits was when he was the one. You know, this is something that I've always personally struggled with. You know, I might nod knowingly at the suffering in the world, because there's a lot of it. I'll nod. I might give financially to share the gospel in foreign lands. I might be moved emotionally by the needs in our own community, because there are needs in our community. But if you want to see me mad, just put my shoes somewhere where I don't expect. 
Then you're going to see me upset. And this is something that I struggle with and that you struggle with. But as a leader, Samson's rash aggression fueled by personal anger, it's out of bounds. And if cemented as a habit, will lead eventually to a place he doesn't want to go. So in his pride, Samson disregards God's rules. They don't apply to me. He's vulnerable to the opposite sex because he's in, he has a struggle with vanity. He's angry and impetuous for his own sake. I've been offended. And then lastly, he takes his gifts for granted. Judges 16, 18-20 says, When Delilah saw that he had told her everything, she sent word to the rulers of the Philistines. Now the music changes. I mean, we're getting to the dramatic part. Because he has set himself up. He has chosen willfully to set himself up for a fall. And do you know that Samson led Israel for 20 years before this moment came? So he felt like he was invulnerable. He felt like he was invincible. Nobody could touch him. God had gifted him. And it was all for him. But he's about to get a rude awakening. Come back once more, she said. He has told me everything. So the rulers of the Philistines returned with the silver in their hands. After putting him to sleep on her lap, she called for someone to shave off the seven braids of his hair and so began to subdue him. And his strength left him. Then she called out, Samson, the Philistines are upon you. He awoke from his sleep and thought, here's, here's the, the indicator. that He's just so full of himself. He is not recognizing where his strength comes from. He says, I'll go out before and shake myself free. But he did not know. And maybe you've been in a place, like I've been in a place, where you realize I've gone too far. This road, I've gone past the point of no return. And God is not with me. And isn't that terrifying when you realize it? I've gone too far. I've stepped outside of bounds. And God is not with me. And it's not that God has left. It's that I left. Samson was accustomed to being the biggest, baddest one in the room. And he assumed that this situation would be no different. But he had unknowingly burned his last bridge by again thoughtlessly. I mean, just see how casual he is. How careless he is. He's unbeatable. He's indomitable. But he had carelessly exposed his vulnerability. In other words, he assumed he was invulnerable. You know, what a tragic story. Think of how things could have been different for Samson. Power. And influence naturally just came his way. He was a magnet for people looked to him for leadership and guidance. What if he had led the way by obeying God's laws? Being the judge. He could have maybe become the king. And he was he led by example, obeying God, respecting God's authority. What if he had led the way by being a devoted husband and father? He never even got married, never had kids. 20 years. It was all about him. But what if he had been a devoted husband and a devoted father? What if he had led the way by being upset about the right things for God's sake? They just said, look at Samson. Samson's our leader. Samson's our hero. He is upset about the Philistines oppressing us. He is upset about people disregarding God's commands. Think of the, the influence that was in the palm of his hand. And the opportunity that he was about to squander. What if he had used his gifts to serve someone other than himself? 
Think of the opportunity. Think of the legacy he could have left behind. Instead, as he has been today, he is as much a cautionary tale as he is a fable hero. A tragic story of squandered potential. And if he were here today, I imagine in the clarity he received just before his death, because when they got a hold of him, I mean, they got their vengeance. They took out his eyes. They humiliated him. They made him perform for the leaders in a big temple. And that brings us to the last scene. But if he were here today, he would say, much like Solomon has in the book of Ecclesiastes in our Sunday study, he would say, learn from my mistakes. I had it all in the palm of my hand. I had an incredible, unbelievable opportunity to lead and to bless. And I wasted it. He would say, learn from my mistakes. In a time of chaos, God raised a deliverer with flawed character. But his downfall didn't occur immediately. And what led to his downfall? It said he had taken certain things for granted. You ever taken something for granted that you have, it's yours? Absolutely. So this got me to thinking, what are some things that I could take for granted that are gifts? I could take for granted my, my beautiful wife. I could take for granted my children. I could take for granted my family. I could take for granted my friends. I could take for granted that I have resources to give. I could take for granted that I have time left to live. So I have one final encouragement today. Because we all do this. We take things for granted. And then we end up in situations that we regret. And then it's time to do what Samson did. It's time to return to the Lord. It's time to call upon the Lord. It's time to humble ourselves before God and say, God, I messed up. I did not expect to end up here. That wasn't my intention. I didn't mean to take things for granted. But I'm back. I need your help. I need your guidance. I need your direction. I need your strength. Even after his downfall, God was still willing to use Samson. He was still willing to use Samson when Samson cried out and returned. Judges 16, 20 through 30. Then Samson prayed to the Lord. Sovereign Lord, remember me. Please, God, strengthen me just once more. And let me, with one blow, get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. Even now, you see, it's still about him. But God's still going to use him. Because he remembered, he figured it out finally after all these years. This was not about me. It was never about me. It was always about God. It was God who called me. It was God who gifted me. It was God who protected me. It was God who put me in this position to leverage it for his glory. It was always about God. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars on which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might, and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Thus he killed many more when he died than while he lived. So in the end, he, did, he does go down in the annals of history. But it's not just fable hero. And we're, we admire Samson. We respect the raw power and strength that he displayed that was from God. But let us also learn the cautionary side. That if we choose to puff ourselves up and to think that we're the most important thing around, that it can lead to inevitable decline. But it's not too late 
for you or for me. If we're willing to humble ourselves before God, he can renew our strength like he did for Samson. We feel weak. We feel uh, like we've lost our way, but God can renew our strength, and he can give us a new sense of purpose. So the big idea today as we wrap up is that God positions the humble for impact. Not just the gifted. It's not the flashy ones. It's not the big ones. It's not the big personalities where it's all about me. But God positions the humble for impact. The humble, the diligent, the gentle. Think of the kind of leader that Samson could have been. He could have lived a quiet life. He could have lived a dignified life. When it was time to draw the sword, he would draw the sword. The most of his life was just about having influence. That's what it could have been. God positions the humble. So if you and I will do these four things, then we will be well positioned by God for impact. If we will respect God's guidelines, if we will be faithful to our loved ones, not just looking for the new next exciting thing, but be faithful, be grounded when it comes to our loved ones and the people that God's made us responsible for. If we'll be emotional about the right things, not just getting angry about me, and getting upset at you for not thinking I'm as important as I know that I am. But if we'll get upset about the right things, the things in this world that are going undone, the people in this world that are lost and broken and hurting, if we'll get upset about those things, we'll get moved and emotional and get our hands and feet involved in those things rather than just getting upset about our stuff. And I know there's a lot of frustrating things in this life, right? And it's easy to get wrapped up in our own struggles. But if we'll be emotional about the right things, and we'll leverage our gifts well, then we'll be ready for God to position us for impact. So my prayer for you today is that you will not allow pride to have the upper hand. That I will not allow pride to have the upper hand, but to humble ourselves before the Lord, depend on Him, and cry out to Him to position us. God, thank you for this opportunity to be together with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And I pray that we'll take this message to heart, Lord, that there's so many things that we can focus on and we can think about, and most of them have to do with us. But help us, God, to focus on you and focus on what matters to you and leverage the gifts and abilities that you've given us, God, for your benefit, for the benefit of those around us, so that we can be positioned well, God, by you, in humility, in dependence upon you, God, to make the impact and the mark that you've designed us to make in this world. It's in Jesus' name.